Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, I'm Scott Soshman. And I'm Evan Novi williams and this is the Coach Nat Future Coach of the Year Sports Business Podcast, The Sportacast. Oh, well, first of all, greetings from NOLA, New Orleans, Mr. Novi williams You are where? You're back in your apartment I in New York I am in New York. City? I wish I was in New Orleans. One of my favorite cities, Scott. Yeah, we're uh, as we speak, my wife is digging through where do we want to eat because, you know, my focus group of one is like the impossible eater. If he even <laughs> sniffs seafood, he gets nauseous. Oh. He really is like 90% vegetarian. I mean, this is not the town for him because so, all I want to do is go sit at Felix's and down like four dozen oysters. Yeah, oysters not in your future, unfortunately, right yeah, now. Exactly. So, I mean, we give up a lot. But it was the Coach Nat there a reference to, I mean, I'm, I guess it's a hologram of uh, what we saw at the NBA's Technology Summit just prior to All-Star Weekend? It was. You were there on the ground, Scott. I was in New York. Not a lot of footage comes out of these things, as you know, but usually there's one or two clips that that kind of make the rounds on Twitter. And the one that made the rounds on Friday was Adam Silver greeting Coach Nat, which was a, a metaverse coach. You would know better than me. You, you saw, I only saw about 30-second clip, but some sort of a, of a basketball coach using Shaq's voice, I believe. It was for, Shaq, for yes. the, the future of, uh, of of coaching of some sort. So why don't you break it down for us? Do I do my show? Uh, well, <laughs> th- thank you for having me. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, Adam sort of, and, you know, most of Tech Summit is off the record. So if people don't know what that is, as part of All-Star Weekend for I don't even know how many years now, the NBA has brought together a lot of its partners, the leaders in technology, uh, many of its owners partaking in panels to discuss sort of best practices moving forward, how technology can help with business. And uh, it started with sort of a, a, a roundtable kind of fake Zoom call uh, with about the NBA's Africa, uh, NBA Africa project. And then Coach Nat, which is, as you said, kind of a hologram coach. And then he came out and onto the stage and did a flip and had discussions with different people who were involved. So uh, you're kind of looking at where we're going. Like it's it's that would be considered like virtual coaching. You don't need to be in the same gym as somebody anymore. So um, as far as sort of Tech Summit itself, to show you, I think, why Adam Silver is as good as he is. And, you know, I'm not telling any tales out of school on this one. I was sitting just a couple of rows behind him for one of the panels that focused on blockchain metaverse uh, and, and some of the smartest people in the business up on stage, sort of give, having a nice give and take. And by the way, spirited give and takes between Vivek Renadive and Mark Cuban, like they didn't always agree. 
Um, and because it's off the record, they can speak freely. But there's Adam's like Adam is furiously scribbling in his book, like taking notes on what is said. And, you know, I'm doing the same. But, you know, for my purposes, I'm sure he's doing it for for his different purposes. But um, if you doubted that people were ready to be back in the room, I, I don't know how many people were there, but this was a big ballroom and it was packed. People were very happy to be back. And I think, of course, the the content of it all. Uh, a one-on-one with the CEO of TikTok, for instance, was enough to draw people and, and really sort of fire up uh, All-Star Weekend. While the weather outside was miserable, ice storm on the day we arrived, you know, not great slipping on the sidewalks. The content of Tech Summit was A+. Awesome. Yeah, the the the, the video that, that surfaced a couple of years ago during Tech Summit, if, if people remember, was the the jersey that, that Adam debuted that could change the number and the name on the back of the jersey, some kind of uh, technology in there. I always think of these things. This is things that I think every league are probably talking about, all the things that you heard at Tech Summit. The NBA just kind of distills it, I think, in a better way than most. And and as silly as some of the things are, I, I'll be honest, I looked at Coach Nat the same way I looked at that jersey that changes name and number and thought, okay, I'm not sure if I need to to know more about that. The truth is that they, one, I'm not the target demographic, and two, they don't need to hit on everything. They can, I think the, the point of a lot of the things that that they're discussing right now are moonshots of sorts. And if any of the, any one of or two of these ideas turns into some fundamental revolution of the way that sports fans interact with their leagues, that's a massive success for the NBA to have been thinking about it this many years ahead. Yeah, absolutely. And when you're hearing from folks like the CEO of TikTok and sort of user-generated content and reaching you know, younger fans, I mean, who better, right? Who better to advise you on how they're going about it? And if you want to talk about blockchain and crypto and NFTs, and um, again, I, I don't want to break the rule here about off the record, but you know, the, it was very interesting to hear the approach of different owners saying, well, metaverse is worthwhile, well, no, I don't think it really is worthwhile. But what about this? And you know, they went back and forth, and you know, you make up your own your own mind when it's done. But it's it's certainly healthy discussion, healthy debate that would help you formulate an educated decision or uh, or point of view on where the leagues and the teams are headed. I'm I'm sure there's disagreement between. It, it makes me think, Scott, and you know this way better than I do. But for for so long, starting in the mid '80s. The NBA under David Stern prioritized expanding in China. They spent a lot of money in China. There were a number of owners who felt like they were throwing good money after bad, wasting spending all that money in China. Turns out it was a smart business decision being, you know, notwithstanding the events of the last two years, the NBA has a massive accelerated footprint in China, uh, way more than the other leagues. I think it's probably safe to say that that money was spent uh, in a good direction in in the past two or three decades. But there's always going to be, I think, owners that are questioning the money that's being spent not for the immediacy, but the money that's being spent to kind of lay the groundwork for potential massive jumps in revenue, whether it's five years, 10 years, or 15 years down the line. Yeah, let me tell you the kind of room it it was, by the way. And and joining me, of course, was Matt Bach, our managing editor, Lev Akabas, our our uh, data viz uh, reporter, and by the way, like watching Lev, who is a huge hoops fan, that huge, s- yeah. sort of wide-eyed, work in the room, and um, it, it was really fun to see him, especially at a time when they had like the seventy-five greatest players hanging around, and you know to see him and in, in all his awe, but also trying to figure out, all right, how can I, what can I do here from a data perspective, and who can I talk to, and how can they help me? But uh, in, in one trip, just to show you the kind of room. In one trip to the little boy's room, Eben, 
Uh, it's like, all right, a little conversation with Ryan Smith, owner of the Utah Jazz. Uh, Qualtrics, of course. Oh, hey, Magic Johnson, I got a question for you while you're standing here. And then up oh, at the sink, why don't I have a discussion with Vivek Ranadive, who, by the way, he was great. Because I'm like, hey, Vivek, by the way, I'm going to be handling uh, our discussion at South by Southwest. And Sportico, of course, is running the sports track at South by. Is that next month? I can't even keep track. Yeah, next month. And I'll be talking to Vivek as part of it. And he was so excited. Oh, great, great. You know what? We really need to hop on a call. I'd love to discuss ahead of time all the things and all the, the things I'm seeing and the things I'd like to discuss. That's the kind of room that you're working where you can go to the bathroom and bump into Magic Johnson, Ryan Smith, and Vivek Renadive. And oh, by the way, we need to talk about what we're going to talk about come South by Southwest next month. I mean, that, it was just perfect. That sounds great. Let's move on to some news from the week as well, starting with, with some news from, from from today, the day we're recording on Monday. The XFL 3.0, the, the new version of the Alternative Football League, backed by Redbird Capital, backed by Danny Garcia, and backed by The Rock. Uh, they have a new partnership or, or announced kind of their intention and 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 kind of cooperative uh, workings with the NFL. Scott, what are your thoughts here? That, that we've seen so many alternative fo- professional football leagues fail, come and fail very quickly in the U.S. I don't think any of them, at least none in the past decade or so, have had kind of a tacit or, or even kind of written down codified relationship with the NFL. We're light on details here, but this seems like a smart move to me. One, I'm not surprised at all. As Danny Garcia said and told Eric Jackson, our plan all along was to have some sort of affiliation with the NFL. Two, the part that does not surprise me is that the NFL is not taking sides. They're happy to be league agnostic. If the USFL wants to perhaps have some sort of relationship, you know, owned by Fox or part owned by Fox, they'll probably work there too, right? Why not have testing grounds? Why not have the it, things that you're trying, whether it's technology or turf or equipment or data sensors, why not utilize these other leagues as a testing ground for products that may one day then be utilized in the NFL? It just makes too much sense from every side for the leagues not to at least get together in some aspects. Is that a change in strategy? I remember just two or three years ago when the AAF was going, Tom Dundon, the owner of the Carolina Panthers, or Carolina Hurricanes, invested a chunk of money, was going to give a lot more. A lot of that, from what I remember, was kind of predicated on the league finding some kind of partnership to work with the NFL on, uh, and they never were able to, to get that relationship down. Everything you just said makes sense. I also know kind of how cutthroat the NFL is about its business, and if its partnership in any way gives footing to some kind of an upstart that might take football market share away from them. I can understand them not wanting to get involved. This seems like maybe a kind of shift in strategy of sorts from the NFL. Yeah, I I mean, I I guess, although I can envision any spring league taking football market share away from the NFL. I just, I, I can't imagine that if you had the 32 owners and Roger Goodell in a room and they were like, uh, well, you know, are we nervous in any way, shape or form that everyone's going to leave us for this? But what they do know, I think, is that especially because they got a glimpse of the XFL. Remember, you know, we, we got a little glimpse and, you know, they, they were doing all right before COVID hit. But I think what they do know about Dwayne Johnson, Danny Garcia and Jerry Cardinal and his Redbird Capital folks is that there will be high factor entertainment. There will be innovation. There will be testing. Let's see what works. There will be technology. They understand. I mean, do you want to bet against 
Dwayne Johnson understanding from an entertainment perspective what an upstart league needs to do to capture minds and eyeballs? I wouldn't bet against. So if I have a chance as the NFL to say, yeah, why don't we participate here? What do you need from us? What do we get in return? Why not? It makes perfect sense. Yeah. And my one hope would be that the partnership with the NFL doesn't stifle all the things that you're talking about. Because in, in my mind, a league that has no relationship with the NFL should probably or could probably be maybe a bit more creative, could maybe push the bounds a little bit more than a league that has that relationship with the NFL. And yeah, like we, totally do, we don't have. Yeah, you're right. We don't have specific details. You know, a little light on details. But I would be surprised if sort of the XFL folks had to get the NFL's okay or blessing to, let's say, try something tech-wise. Yeah, I, I would be surprised if it, if it drilled down that deep. Um, but the NFL certainly can be in learn mode and pluck. That's a good word, right? Why don't we pluck what works and what, what fizzles out? We'll leave that uh, on the cutting room floor, on, on, on the turf. But we can certainly utilize what we think is working for you and your fans. There you go. Another, we'll move to another advantageous move from, from the past week. Fanatics got a, another big acquisition. This one back in the realm of, of licensed sports apparel fanatics and, and a group of star studded investors, including some hip hop stars some TikTok stars buying Mitchell and Ness, the nostalgic sports brand, the one that makes a lot of those really famous and, and, and popular throwback NBA and ba- baseball uniforms. $250 million is the purchase price here, Scott. Uh, a really interesting move that I think you and I can probably both see all the synergies on from a fanatic standpoint. Oh, this is one of those where you're like, no brainer. Of course, Michael Rubin is buying Mitchell and Ness. Uh, do you have an affinity like I do? I don't know. You're, you're younger. You're, you're not young, but you're younger <laughs> than I am. So for me, I, I remember going down to Philadelphia. I, you know, when, when Iverson was hot. And boy, Mitchell and Ness, that that was a sizzle brand, man. They they had a lot of fans dressing in Mitchell and Ness. And like that was the real deal. You wanted the Mitchell and Ness tag on your throwback, right? That was the thing. Does that do you have an affinity for that or or did that I, predate I you? I don't personally, no, but I, I did learn a bit about the company when I and I, I certainly knew the company, but learned a bit about it, especially the way it's kind of changed over the course of the last century when I was writing this story. This kind of fascinated me, Scott. The pivot to uh, to, to kind of nostalgia and throwback uniforms happened in the 80s after a, a single customer walked into their store in Philadelphia, had two baseball uniforms from the 50s and 60s and said, hey, can you repair these? I, I love these uniforms. I've worn them a lot and I would like to keep wearing them. They repaired those. They realized they had a lot of old wool in storage somewhere and they thought, you know, maybe there's a market for more people that might want uniforms from a decade ago or two decades ago, suddenly that sprouted into a, you know, multi hundred billion dollar or hundred million dollar revenue business. Uh, really fascinating. I, I kind of thought that there was maybe a, a market for throwback uniforms forever since, the, since throwbacks existed. It really seems as though just in the eighties and late eighties at that is when kind of the, the, the sports industry woke up to the idea that, oh, we have designs and IP that we're not using anymore that actually might be more popular from a commercial and licensing standpoint than the ones we're using right now. Yeah, I, I, licensing is such a big part of the business now. Um, you know, we, we've talked about the NBA players taking back their group licensing rights and you know, things like video games have to go through separate contracts now with the league and the union. But for me, I was always like, there's got to be a huge market. And we're talking about the throwbacks. How about a Kobe Bryant Lower Marion jersey, hmm. right? Lower Marion High School or Lou, Lou Alcindor in Power Memorial, right? LeBron, St. Vincent, St. Mary's. The, these are global icons. And, and going back and creating a high school line 
or even the college line, whatever it may be. I mean, obviously not in uh, in LeBron's case or Kobe's, but you can, you can get a, a, a UCLA Alcindor jersey. There you go. Uh, now, by the way, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, for those who don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is, to me, this is what Mitchell and Ness does. And there is so much affinity out there for throwback and for yesteryear um, that for Michael Rubin to roll this up as part of the growing empire, you know, what, what do they talk about again? What's our, what's our favorite line vertical of fanatics? Vertical integration, right? I, I don't even think there's much work to integrate Mitchell and Ness into what they already do. What, what do you think that is? What's, what's the timeline for full, complete integration of Mitchell and Ness? A day? I mean, I've obviously, obviously, I'm exaggerating a little bit. It's my way of saying this is a perfect fit for what Fanatics already does. Agreed. And we've seen in the past, obviously in the past year, Fanatics has moved its business very significantly into new areas. We're seeing a different kind of part of the of the Michael Rubin Fanatics playbook here as well. We've talked a bit about how in a lot of, of, of his endeavors, which he did with Fanatics and, and, and some of the younger companies as well, they give a lot of equity out to leagues. Yeah particularly because that helps them build a synergistic relationship that can continue longer term. The other thing that we're seeing here is that Fanatics and, and Michael really like partnering with celebrities. They, they see value in, and, and the group here that's going to own about 25% of Mitchell and Ness in the end includes Jay-Z, it includes Meek Mill and Lil Baby, it includes Maverick Carter, it includes the D'Amelio family, TikTok celebrities, Scott. If you don't know who they were, I, I didn't know who they were. Whoa, 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 um, whoa, 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 whoa. Are you, are you <laughs> really doubting whether I knew who the D'Amelio family is? I didn't know who the D'Amelio family was. Really? So I, I mean, once again, <laughs> this is the bonus of having the focus group of one because, you know, one of them had a deal with Dunkin' Donuts. Okay. Right? And there was a certain, I forgot the name of the drink already, but my guy wanted that drink because of the deal. And he also used to like my guy again, who I said, who, who we said at the start here, doesn't really like meat all that much also made me take him to McDonald's for a Travis Scott burger. <laughs> so if the, if the pro leagues aren't paying attention, cause I know it, it's not just him. If they're not paying attention that these influencers absolutely set trends and change minds and, and hearts, you better pay attention. And, and that's why a relationship with a D'Amelio sister is a really good idea. That's Gen Z marketing at its finest right there. Yeah. Yeah. So so clearly Michael agrees with that idea. And, and it will be interesting to see. Uh, there, there are some partners in, in, in Candy, the NFT company that they're working with. Um, certainly a, a bunch of big name partners here on Mitchell and Ness. It will be interesting to see how having those people at, on the cap table um, and, and maybe making some decisions for the company, how that maybe changes the direction of Mitchell and Ness or changes the product. I, I don't know. But what I do know will change is that the, the, the output for NBC in Olympics games will, will change dramatically between Paris and what we saw in Beijing. How much Olympics did you watch? I actually watched a decent amount of it. I'm a, did you I'm really? A, I'm a big fan. Yeah, I, 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 fan might not be the right word. I enjoy the, the competitions. I'm not particularly rooting for anybody, but I, a lot of these sports I don't watch for, you know, three every, every, unless it's on every four years. And I do take, uh, I do enjoy just, you know, diving into curling for an hour on a, on a Tuesday night or watching downhill skiing for, for an hour on a Friday night. Those are, it, it, it's an enjoyable experience for me. So I watched a good amount of it. All right. Well, you're in the minority on that one. By Man. the way, by the way, should we talk about the USA Canada gold medal game 
viewership number three plus Massive. million, right? Better than any NHL game during this season. And like how many more examples? Yeah, how many more? And I was one of them. Yeah, but how many more examples of do you need that the appetite is there for the top product in women's sports? The the idea that even if you strip away who it is, the idea that the most watched hockey game in the U.S. this year started at eleven ten. PM right. East Coast yep. time is, yep. is crazy in and of itself. The idea that it was a women's hockey game, I think, would, would surprise other people, maybe even more. Uh, but no question, this is uh, this is exactly the the kind of data point that you can point to and 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 show that there is evidence that fans are are, are really clamoring for these things, and and that with that number of people watching, uh, that that there should be a way to monetize it in a way that hasn't been monetized in the past. Yeah, our friends at the uh, Sports Innovation Lab are going to have to update the fan project, right? Here's your number one data point, but right up top, most watch hockey game. And yeah, I should have brought it up. I mean, the fact that it started at 11.10 Eastern time was is really something. I mean, imagine if that was an 8 p.m. start exactly. on, the, on, the, on the East Coast. You really have something. But you're an Olympics fan. Great. Tell me, looking forward, you're NBC. You shot out a bunch of cash from multiple Olympic games. You kind of knew that you may be biting the bullet on Beijing. But now the promise of Paris and then, of course, Los Angeles after that, that's where you're looking for your payday. Everybody involved in the Olympic movement, whether it is TV broadcasters like NBC, whether it is big name sponsors of the IOC, whether it's probably IOC leadership themselves, everybody is now looking ahead towards Paris, hoping that they can have a summer games that is without kind of the geopolitical controversy that we've seen in the past and ideally without a lot of the health concern issues that we've we, we see in the past is paris a safe bet it certainly seems like it but if you would have if you and i had, had this conversation a decade ago scott the, everybody in the olympic movement was circling tokyo 2020 that was going to be the safe games the great games big metropolitan city not a lot of building needed obviously covid comes along uh and and, and shatters all of those plans so so you really never know until the games are happening in terms of, of how successful they are and how controversy free they are going to be, but you're absolutely right. It, it's been a, a series of, of duds of Olympics going back from Sochi with its geopolitical concerns. There were Zika concerns in Brazil. Pyeongchang had geopolitical concerns. The Tokyo games were delayed a year and almost never happened. The Beijing games, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people in the Olympic movement would just like to forget about a lot. There's both a lot of pressure and a lot of expectation on the 2024 games in Paris to kind of go off without a hitch and maybe recoup money for a lot of these companies that, that have maybe lost it in the past few cycles. Yeah, I, it just came to me, by the way, the drink at Dunkin' Donuts was the Charlie. And of course, Charlie I got Daniel. it for him. Yeah, yeah. I, I got it for him. And then I found out later on that it's a cold brew. So, <laughs> you know, focus group of one bouncing off the walls. And I guess kind of tangent to, to sports business, but I just wanted to discuss with you, how about Jawan Howard? Oh, Yeah, yeah it, you know, Mike McCann wrote this up and he's saying it's worse, obviously, because it's college. He, he's scheduled to make three plus million dollars a year, right? He signed a five-year extension in 2021. If you're Michigan, and I, I will admit I have not been following Michigan basketball all that closely, but he got an extension. But if you are the University of Michigan and you are looking for a reason to dismiss Jawan Howard for cause, I think he teed one up for you. 
I mean, yeah, the, 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 the altercation that Juwan got in with the, the coach of, uh, the, the Wisconsin, Wisconsin. Badgers over the weekend, yeah. uh, which led into essentially like a, almost a full on kind of line brawl between the, between the two teams in the handshake line. Uh, yeah, there's no question. This is unacceptable behavior for, for someone who is an educator kind of on the, yeah, but on, how silly also, the even the reasoning, I was upset because he called timeout. Yeah, like, I, I get it. The game I was a blowout. It. Juwan wanted the game to to move quicker, and and he felt as though that Wisconsin was kind of playing it up and maybe playing too hard. Quite at the end, I agree with you. I think this is a ridiculous reason to be upset. There are people calling for an, an abolishing the handshake line, which also yeah. seems insane to me. The idea that particularly coaches, who as you mentioned, are getting paid millions of dollars, can't can't behave in a handshake line civilly in a handshake line taking the handshake line away does not seem like the solution here to be totally honest scott there's a part of me that watched the video and it's obviously bad it doesn't feel like a fireable offense to me necessarily but uh, we're recording this on monday night and i expect the big 10 to have some kind of ruling at any moment now about suspensions i think the end result here is that he gets, he loses a couple games. The team is kind of on the bubble from what I understand. Not a great timing for the Big Ten, but I don't think there's going to be any kind of wider, wider discipline here. All right. First time, long time caller. I'll let you have that. He is Eben Novi Williams on the Twitter, Novi underscore Williams. I am Scott Soshnick on the Twitter at Soshnick. Thanks to our producer, Matt Whitehurst, and our social media editor is Core Veltman. She really does like it. When I remind you, you can find the show at Sportacast, which is the hub of what will soon become the Sportico Media Network. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.